Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Or chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid nor dismayed. And naturally he was afraid and he was dismayed, otherwise God wouldn't have said that. Because he was discouraged that they had been beaten by their enemies, and it was a small enemy. It was nothing like Jericho. And so don't be afraid nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land, and you shall do to Ai and its king... You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues in the book of Joshua, starting in chapter 8. Prior to this, we know that the nation of Israel was defeated, attempting to take over the city of Ai because of their disobedience to God. However, they are now receiving encouragement from God. Though Israel stumbled through Achan's sin, they dealt with the failure, and now they were given a second chance by God. As Christians, we know that our God is a loving God and a God of second chances. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. Let's see If we could open our Bibles to Joshua chapter 8. If I had to put a title on tonight's message, I would probably say God is the God of second chances. And uh, last week, if you recall, we looked at Joshua chapter 7. And Joshua chapter 7 is really phase 1 of the children of Israel going into the land of Canaan to conquer Ai. And chapter 8 is really um, the second inroad into the the second mission, if you will. The first mission was chapter 7. The second mission is chapter 8. So... In Joshua chapter 6, remember the children of Israel had just come across the the Jordan River, and now they're going into the promised land, fulfilling the promises that God had given not only to them but to their ancestors, going all the way back to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob. And so finally now it's the summation of those things is coming to pass. And so they finally get over the Jordan. Remember, they bring the ark, and and a miracle occurs. The, the, The Levites have the ark on their shoulder. They get into the Jordan. The Jordan stops up. Uh, several miles uphill, and that water at that pitch where it's coming from Mount Hermon all the way down is pretty steep. It, it, it goes, uh, I forget the elevation, it's like, uh, but it, it, it should be running, and it's going, uh, overflowing its banks that time of year as well. So that water is being stopped up way upstream and allowing them to go across as soon as they started going across the Jordan. So they finally get over there, and the first battle they really have is Jericho, this very uh, defense-fortified city 
of about 2,000 people. And you recall what had happened. God told them that they were going to possess all of that land. And so God had made special promises to them. And so now they are at the precipice. Now they're right at it. And you can imagine how nerve-wracking and how nervous they must have felt, knowing that this is it. Have you ever been at a watershed moment and you know that the moment that you're about to, that's about to happen in your life is going to be something that's going to change your life forever? Have you had moments like that? I think we all have. It could be at the altar, you know, when you get married. It could be when a family member is passing away. It could be, you know, when you get that great job. Uh, you know, certain watershed moments in your life. And this was a really huge one for them. Not only for them, but for all of their ancestors have been waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. And now here it is. It's going to be fulfilled. And so God calls them in there. And the interesting thing is, is that they didn't really have to do a whole lot. God had given them the battle strategy. And it was very simple. And it required obedience. It required faith. All they were supposed to do is just go around the city of Jericho once every day with the priests holding the Ark of the Covenant, the priests blowing the trumpets, and the men of war go around once every single day. In the morning, they would get up in the morning, in the morning, and that's important to know because our battle tonight is going to look a little different. They got up in the morning and they traveled around it once and then they went back to their tents and that was it. And they did that the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. By this time, the people of Jericho are probably freaking out because only being a couple thousand people, 2,000 roughly, and seeing this horde of people, of a couple million people, marching around their city and then doing nothing for six days... Can you imagine the psychological warfare that is going on? They know something is going to happen at some point. They just don't know when. And on the seventh day, you remember what happened. They went around seven times on that day, and then they let out a shout, and God supernaturally caused those walls to just come flopping down. And and it could could have been an earthquake. We know that that uh, area right there, there's two different tectonic plates that they have come to, to know now. And in 1929, there was a major earthquake in that area, and it actually stopped up the Jordan for about 21 hours. And so it could have been that God used an earthquake to do this. And some people say, well, that really wasn't a miracle. Well, the timing of it was, because right as they stepped their foot into the Jordan, that river started to subside. So the very uh, God knows what he's doing. And even if he used a natural process, he could. He did it in a precise time. And so you recall, they go in and they take, uh, they, 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 t- they kill everything. And, they, and they're not supposed to take any of the gold, any of the silver. And you remember Rahab, her house was actually on the wall. And archaeologists have discovered, just within the 20th century, they've discovered that not all of the walls in Jericho have uh, come down. In fact, if you look up here on the screen... Here up on the screen, you can see a picture of Jericho. And over here, on the north side over here, they've discovered that some of these walls didn't come down flat like the other ones did. And this is exactly where they think Rahab's home was. It was on the north side of the city of Jericho because Gilgal was just a little bit to the north. So as they would come in and as they would circle it, um, and on that seventh day when everything came down, God preserved Rahab and everyone in her home. He had to, right? Because it said that she lived on the wall. And if all those walls came falling down, she must have been obliterated along with the rest of them, right? But God saw fit to make sure that that earthquake or whatever he used to cause those walls to come tumbling down, 
that they wouldn't affect Rahab and those in her house. Isn't that amazing? Another wonderful miracle of God. <laughs> and so, and then after that, it was discovered, uh, immediately after that, they go into this town, and we looked at it last week. We looked at chapter 7, and there was a town called Ai. And you recall in Joshua chapter 7, specifically verse 2, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, and he, and he told them to go up and spy out the country. And so the men went up, and they spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua, and they said, don't let all the people go up, but just let about two or 3,000 people go. And so they do. They, only a, a tenth of their army goes into battle, and they, 36 of them die in the process, and they get chased out of Ai, and Joshua's very discouraged, obviously. God, what are you doing? What happened? We were on this roll. You know, you gave us this great encouragement for this great battle, you know, this great victory over Jericho, and now this is a smaller thing, not really a big deal. And how is it that we're defeated? You know, how is it that we're running from our enemies? And, of course, God says, well, it's because there has been sin in the camp. Joshua, and, and he said someone has taken of the things that they weren't supposed to take. God, all the gold, all the silver, everything was to be dedicated into the treasury of the tabernacle, but someone took something, and so God knew who it was, but he allowed the, the lots to be cast. However, they did that, and it comes down to finally, from all the people groups, all the different tribes and families, it comes down to a man and his family, Achan. And you remember that as a result of that, because the whole family was in on it, because they all concealed this thing, that they were stoned and their uh, remains were burned along with the, all of their belongings. And then God finally, in chapter 8, let's just pick up, and we're just going to read through verse 29, and then we're going to go back and take a look at it. So that's what happens. So now in verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid nor dismayed. And naturally he was afraid, and he was dismayed, otherwise God wouldn't have said that. Because he was discouraged that they had been beaten by their enemies, and it was a small enemy. It was nothing like Jericho. And so don't be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you, and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land, and you shall do to Ai and its king, you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away, notice, by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. And then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city. And it will come about when they come out against us, as at the first, that they shall flee before them. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city. For they will say, They are fleeing before us as the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. And then you shall arise from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be, when you have taken the city, that you shall set the city on fire, according to the commandment of the Lord you shall do. See, I have commanded you. So verse 9, Joshua therefore sent them out, and they went to lie in ambush, and they stayed between Bethel and Ai on the west side. But Joshua lodged that night among the people, 
And then Joshua rose up early in the morning, and he mustered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people to Ai. And all the people of war were with him, went and drew near. And they came before the city, and they camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and Ai. So about so he took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when he had set the people, all the army that was on the north side of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. Now it happened when the king of Ai saw it that the men of the city hurried and they rose early and went out against Israel to battle, he and all his people at an appointed place before the plain. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and Israel made as if they were beaten before them, and they fled by the way of the wilderness. And so all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. And notice, there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. And so they left the city open and pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in the hand toward the city. So those in ambush arose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand, and they entered the city and took it and hurried to set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven, so they had no power to flee this way or that way. And the people who had fled to the wilderness turned back on their pursuers. Now when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. And then the others came out of the city against them. So they were caught in the midst of the Israel of, of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and they struck them down so that they let none of them remain or escape. But the king of Ai they took alive, and they brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass, when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness, where they pursued them, and when they had all fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. So it was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were uh, 12,000. All the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand, with which he stretched out the spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as booty for themselves, according to the word of the Lord which he had uh, commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun was, was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his corpse down from the tree, cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city, and raise over it a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Earlier when I started, I, I got the, the numbers confused. Uh, the, the AI was about 12,000, but the uh, Jericho was, was much smaller, uh, about 2,000, we believe. And so let's go back to the very beginning of this. Now, first they came from over here on the, on the east side of the Jordan River. Now they're going to go over, and they're first going to take Jericho, and then they're going to hit AI, 
And uh, once they have conquered this central location, then they're going to go down south, and they're going to uh, uh, take possession of that land and dispossess those peoples out of those out of that area, and then they're going to head straight north and go all the way up to um, up there by uh, modern-day Lebanon. Because remember, the Israelites already have this land over here on the east side. That's already been uh, conquered. Um, uh, that, that happened before they crossed over the Jordan, if you recall. So now they're going to finish the job and get all of the land west of the Jordan River. And just by way of... Uh, seeing where we're at uh, tonight, you can see here is uh, Gilgal right above here. And then there's Jericho, the red circle around it. And then uh, over here is Ai. And you can see right next to it is Bethel. And uh, these two cities were pretty confederate with one another, so they looked out for each other. In fact, one may have been, Ai may have actually been like an outpost of Bethel, because Bethel was a more established city. And Ai, there's really not a whole lot of archaeological evidence of it, so they think that it was just probably just an outpost of some kind, but there's nothing really substantial like you'd find in Jericho. But anyway, so let's go back to verse 1 and take a look. It said, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. And, you know, after the joy of the victory, you know, (laughs) they were defeated, and naturally they were very discouraged. Very discouraged. And just as the Lord encouraged Joshua here in verse 1, Moses also encouraged the Israelites when they were making their way to the promised land. If you remember, and you don't have to turn here, but you can write these verses down, because it's a very common theme. Fear is very real. You know, even though we may be the people of God, and even though the children of Israel were the people of God, it doesn't mean that they were any less human than you and I are. Because we have fears, we have insecurities, and they're no different than we are. Sometimes we, we, we tend to think of them as, as different than we are, but people are people. They all have the same problems, the same issues. Wherever you go in the, in the world, it doesn't matter what country, what tongue, whereabouts you go, it doesn't matter. Everyone is basically the same. Everybody wants to be loved. They want to be taken care of. Everybody wants to have food and water and clothing and a place to stay, a, place to stay, a roof over their head. Everybody wants to be uh, loved on and esteemed, looked up to. They want to feel valued, and they fear, just like everybody. And God certainly knows this. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, beginning in verse 21, Moses, remember, um, he, he wasn't allowed to go across the Jordan, but he was speaking to the children of Israel. And in verse 21, he says, Look, he says, The Lord your God has set the land before you. Now go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. He has. He had spoken to them. Going all the way back to Genesis, generations, generations ago, promises had been made by God to bring them into the land. So now Moses is speaking to them at the edge of the, on the east side of the, uh, of the Jordan River before they cross over, before uh, uh, Joshua takes over. And he says, Now go up and possess it, as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. Don't fear or be discouraged. And at the very end, toward the latter end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses now is speaking to his successor, Joshua. 
near the end of Moses' life. This is in Deuteronomy 31, verse 7. And what does Moses say to Joshua? He says, Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give to them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. You're going to be the guy, Joshua. I was the guy, but I can't go because of my disobedience. I misrepresented God, and that is my consequence. And you know, with sin, there are consequences. Even though God forgave Moses, even though God forgives you for sin, there's always a consequence to sin. David experienced this very well. David was forgiven, but David also had consequences that followed him all the days of his life. He was never quite the same. Never quite the same man as the happy, jolly, sort of uh, intensely uh, artistic, and what a great warrior David was and is. And yet after his sin with Bathsheba and killing her husband Uriah, things just were never the same. The sword never departed from his house. He was in constant worry, constant panic. And the Psalms, some of the richest Psalms, come from that time of his life. I wonder how rich, how much richer they would have been had he not sinned. But in the very, uh, in Joshua chapter 1, God speaks to Joshua after the death of Moses. And what does he say in verse 9 of chapter 1? He says, have, I, have not I commanded you, Joshua? Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I love that. So just, you know, in verse 1 here, as God is encouraging Joshua... He knew he was discouraged. And you know, it is easy to be discouraged when things don't go well for us. You know, we get despondent, we get frustrated. But the thing we cannot do is throw away a promise that God has given to us just because we've suffered a setback. Every one of us suffers setbacks in life. Some people have it better than others. But if God has promised you something in the Word of God or He's promised something in your heart, or through prayer, or whatever, don't throw it away because you have some bump in the road, or there's some kind of fly in the ointment. Because isn't it true that in all of our lives, no matter how good you have it, no matter if you've got the best job that a, a person could want, there's always some fly in the ointment. There's always some bump in the road. Nothing is ever perfect, and it doesn't stay that way for long. If it does seem like all everything is aligning and everything, all the ducks are in a row, boy, isn't that nice when you have day? Have you had days like that where you just you had a plan for the day? Maybe it was your birthday and everything was just lining up and everything went great. It just went as as planned, and you were just thrilled. And it's very unusual when any of that happens. And so there are always flies in the ointment. And God knew they would be discouraged. So notice what he says in verse 1. He says, take all the people of war with you. See, they were to be obedient to what God had spoken earlier. If you recall, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, God was speaking to the Israelites. And notice what he said to them in verse 16. He says, but of the cities of the people which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, because there were, there were cities that they would fight against or that would come against them that weren't of those seven nations that God says when you come into the land, I want you to completely destroy everything. Don't leave man, woman, child, nothing. Destroy every single thing. And this is what he says here. He says, of those seven nations, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Girgashites, the Jebusites, wipe them completely out. Don't even mess around. Don't take their idols. Don't do anything. Everything has to die. Everything has to die. 
And that is really hard in the culture that we live in today because that is not politically correct. I've heard people tell me, if that's the kind of God you serve, I don't want to serve him. But see, they don't understand that God had given that, 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 that nation, those seven nations, several hundred years to repent. Seven, several hundred years. In Genesis- I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.